Welcome to a series of netcasts brought to you by Yale University. This is Carol Christ, president of Smith College, speaking on the occasion of being awarded the Wilbur Cross Medal by the Graduate School. Ms. Christ received her Ph.D. from Yale in 1970. This is Gila Reinstein from the Office of Public Affairs at Yale University. I'm here in the studio with Carol Christ, who is president of Smith College. Carol earned her Ph.D. from Yale in 1970, and she is back on campus to receive a Wilbur Cross Medal from the Graduate School. That is the highest honor that the Graduate School has to give to its alumni. And now, Carol. Thank you, Gila. It's been a wonderful experience coming back to Yale in this way. It、um, gives me a chance to reflect on not only my years here, but my journey since those years.、Uh, when I、uh, came to、um, Yale in 1966,、uh, that was before there were women at Yale, so they said. Which gives a sense of how invisible graduate women were, and in my last year as a graduate student, 1969-70 is when the first undergraduate women arrived at Yale, and those were, of course, the years—the late 60s and the early 70s—when、um, the、um, feminist movement、uh, was in its beginning, very heady stages. And it had a transformational effect on my career in several different ways.、Uh, it gave me opportunities, and it also provided a kind of inspiration for a new perspective that certainly was 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 not one that had been part of the scholarship of、uh, English literature. Uh, at the time of when I was an undergraduate and a, and, a, and a graduate student, I went from Yale to Berkeley. I'm just going to give a few biographical facts because they'll provide a kind of framework、um, for the kinds of things I want to say. I went from Yale to Berkeley. I got to Berkeley in the fall of 1970, right after Cambodia's spring. Everybody told me when I got there I shouldn't even bother to prepare the last third of my class because I would never get to teach it. The students were on strike; would be on strike.、Uh, however, the students never struck after I came. I'm, I'm sure my coming had something to do with that.、Uh, but Berkeley was an extraordinary place in the 70s and 80s. And it it became it shaped California and Berkeley,、um, shaped my intellectual and social perspective in many ways that I could not have anticipated, as、um, as a graduate student or indeed as an undergraduate.、Um, I moved from、um, the、uh, faculty position into administration in the time that I was at Berkeley, and uh, after. Um, Deciding that I had done everything that I that I I wanted to do there, the opportunity um, uh, uh, arose to become president of Smith, and、um, I took a trip in reverse、um, from west to east, just as I had come from east to west, and I've now been at Smith. This is the beginning of my sixth year, so I feel so privileged to have enjoyed higher education from such different and. Excellent perspectives. A large public research university on the West Coast and a small private liberal arts college for women、uh, in the East.
I wanted first to talk about teaching in a liberal arts college because one of the things that I have learned and learned to value at Smith is the difference in the culture for faculty members at a liberal arts college from a research university. And I know that at least when I was in graduate school, it wasn't a kind of um, difference that people talked about. And, and, and I think it would be, would be useful to, to know for anyone contemplating a career in the academy. I mean, the first thing I think to say, and it's, it's an important one, is that there is in a liberal arts college a very deep culture of commitment to teaching and to student learning. It's certainly, of course, true that much distinguished teaching goes on in our great research universities, whether public or private. But I'll tell an anecdote that I think uh, demonstrates the difference at, um, at a place like Smith. I, in my first year as president, I invited um, all of the members of the faculty to a set of dinners with me at my house, about 20 people around the table at once. And I would say, you've got the ear of the president for the next two hours. Um, what do you think I should know? What would you like to talk about? Every single one of those dinners was fundamentally about teaching and pedagogy. And I, the Berkeley faculty were extraordinary, but I can guarantee you if I had a set of 20 such dinners at Berkeley, the conversation would have been different. Uh, and so it, to me, um, showed that this deep sense of, um, of pedagogical mission of a culture of teaching um, faculty are engaged with pedagogy, they engage students in their research, and they um, believe strongly not only in the importance of communication skills for themselves as um, faculty members, but the importance of teaching them to undergraduates, not just writing, but also speaking, representing your point of view. Another contrast that struck me in a liberal, in moving to a liberal arts college, is the expectation that the college has that faculty will um, uh, have a breadth of intellectual interests. You will teach in ways that extend significantly beyond your field of specialization. Um, you will not only introduce undergraduates to your discipline, you will place it in a larger intellectual context. Uh, liberal arts colleges value an intellectual breadth and adventurousness in teaching. They value working across the disciplines and with other colleagues. In part, of course, this is a product of the fact that the faculties are smaller at liberal arts colleges. And to make available to students all of the intellectual breadth that the ins institution aspires to make available to them, um, it, 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 it encourages its faculty to be experimental, to learn new things, to change their teaching repertoire. And that's one of the deep rewards uh, about te uh, in teaching at one of these places. The other, the third difference that I would observe is that liberal arts colleges expect a great deal of social involvement of their faculty. The faculty thinks of itself as a single intellectual community. Faculty know each other across the disciplines. That was much less true at a big research university. 
And as a residential college, Smith is intentional about creating community. Um, I often compare different colleges and universities to different kinds of communities, and and at least the big state uh, research universities are like cities. You find your neighborhood, you go from your, your the, the neighborhood in which you live to the neighborhood in which you work, um, that it's very much a collection of individual communities that sometimes don't have as much contact as perhaps would even be desirable. Um, liberal arts colleges are much more like uh, a large town or a small, you know, small city, very small city, in which people are at the most one degree of separation away from each other. And the, the colleges like Smith are intentional about creating that community. Uh, they expect that faculty will come to poetry readings, to concerts, to student plays, to lectures, and indeed you will find a good cross-section of the faculty at each of those events. The department and the campus will expect you to be a full member of the community from your first year of teaching, whereas at large research universities, um, uh, large research universities tend to protect their faculty, say, you should be doing your research, you know, go to the library, go to your laboratory, don't spend your time um, doing the multitude of um, or attending the multitude of events that are available to you. And then finally, at a liberal arts college, it's my observation that you teach by who you are as much as by what you teach that you will be important as a person to your students, again, because of the intimacy of the community. I still wanted to talk a little bit about administration um, as a career. My own path uh, was one that led from a rather um, uh, conventional faculty career to administration. I thought I might trace that path and then talk a little bit about what I find the joys and the intellectual challenges of, of administration. Um, as I said before, I um, left Yale to, um, uh, to go to Berkeley. That was my first job. Um, found it just an extraordinary place. It was su such an exciting place to be. And my first administrative job was one that um, faculty members, it was just a typical job for faculty members to take in their department. I was vice chair in charge of courses. Um, I was the first woman to hold that position. I should say that when I came to Berkeley, I was the fourth woman in a department of 80. So uh, it was a very large department and a very male department. And I was the first woman to hold an administrative position in that department. After I had um, I'd been a vice chair of courses, I was invited to um, be the uh, uh, chancellor's um, uh, assistant for um, a firm uh, for uh, the status of women and the faculty assistant for the status of women and Title IX compliance. I had always been very committed to women's issues, so this um, job gave me the opportunity to uh, act on that commitment. But there was another reason for my taking it. I had two very small children, um, children under the age, two children under the age of three. I was um, really struggling 
to balance uh, my responsibilities to my children and my responsibilities to demanding faculty job. And this job offered more freedom in the way in which I could uh, uh, arrange my time, and it also offered more money, and that was important to me and my husband. So I took this job, and it was a revelation to me. I found that not only did I enjoy this advocacy role for women on the campus, it was a kind of administrative internship, and I found that I really loved administration. I loved understanding how the whole university worked. I loved working with other people to accomplish things, because that's one of the big differences, at least between a faculty job in a faculty position in a discipline like English, where you're very much, your research is fairly solitary, and you prepare your classes, you go into the classroom, you teach them, but your class preparation and your research are both fairly solitary activities. In administration, there's nothing you can accomplish that isn't a and uh, something you do with other people and have to make them part of your team, persuade them, try to find out what they can do to help you achieve whatever it is that you want to achieve. So I did that for two years, and then I came back to become chair of my department. When I became chair of my department, my son, who was at that point seven, said something very funny. He said, um, Mom, now that you're the chairman, is your chair bigger than everybody else's? And I realized that, in fact, it was, that the chair in the chair's office was higher and larger than any other chair in that office. And it came to me to symbolize the, um, the, the what were then to me the rather awkward prerogatives of that position, that, uh, that it was uh, being chair of my department was the hardest administrative job I've ever done in my career because I suddenly had an authority um, over my colleagues, many of whom were um, older than I was, senior to me, and most of whom were male. And I, I, it, it, it didn't sit comfortably with me at first, and, and it was one of the growing experiences for, for me in my administrative career is to learn to have that authority sit comfortably. Uh, after doing that for about two and a half years, I went on to become Dean of Humanities, uh, then uh, Dean of the College of Letters and Science, then uh, Executive Vice Chancellor and then President of Smith. So, um, so it was a rather straight kind of ladder um, from that point on of administrative positions. And I've found um, this set of leadership positions immensely rewarding, and rewarding for um, several reasons. It's rewarding to feel that you can have an impact on the college or university in which you work. And uh, I, I, you know, there are things that happened at Berkeley and have happened at Smith that I know I was instrumental in, um, in helping accomplish, and that's deeply rewarding. I found um, all of my jobs intellectually challenging. Uh, my, um, the breadth of knowledge that um, I had to acquire uh, in order to do my job um, 
was much greater, I think, than had I stayed an English professor. I had to learn a great deal about how you run a complex organization. I had to learn a great deal about how it is that you work with people to get to accomplish things. And I had to learn a lot about fields that were very distant from my own because I was responsible for leadership um, across an entire university at Berkeley, across an entire college at Smith. So that's been thrilling to me. You also, in an administrative position, have a kind of breadth in your acquaintanceship, not only on campus, but also off campus. So the alumni that I've met, both at Berkeley and at Smith, have been extraordinary people and people that I never would have met um, had I not had the, um, the, the position that I have. I mean, being able to talk at Smith, for example, to some of our alumni, uh, to talk with Julia Child, to talk with Gloria Steinem, or Berkeley, to talk with Gregory Peck. I mean, it was just, uh, it, it, they were, uh, were, were just, just extraordinary conversations. And I'm endlessly curious about people's lives. I really enjoy learning. You know, how did you get from Smith or Berkeley, which is usually our starting point, to where you are now? What were the turning points in your life? What were the moments of great decision? And I also, as I said before, love the social and collaborative nature of the work. Often faculty members feel administration is this great burden. You can't ever say that you like it. You have to say if you're chair of your department, oh, how horrible it is. This is my prison sentence. You know, I'm going to get free of it. But I really would encourage people thinking about their careers to to not approach administrative assignments with this sense of, of burden, but really be open to the kinds of really deep pleasures and, and rewards that they, they can bring. I, I also wanted to provide just some, some career advice to uh, any uh, um, graduate students that, that might be listening. I, I have been responsible now for, um, for uh, um, the tenure and promotion systems in um, at, at Berkeley first and now at Smith over several generations of you know a, um, of of young academics, young faculty members at the beginnings of their careers, and I I think I've gotten a good sense of of, of important advice to give people. I, I think first of all, when you start a new job, you, you should be very clear about the department's expectations for you. What are their expectations in research, in scholarship, in teaching, in service? And to be very explicit about that. Um, if your college or university doesn't provide the kinds of orientation programs that, um, that focus on expectations, you should find out from your chair of your department and from your senior colleagues what those expectations are. And I think it's also important, if you have a choice of several jobs, to choose a job that supports and mentors junior faculty. The culture of departments and the culture of colleges and universities can be quite different in this regard. And um, making that an important factor in your choice will serve you well. 
in the area of research, and I'm speaking now from the perspective of the humanities and the uh, areas of the social sciences in which the typical product of your scholarship is a book, the most important thing you have to think about is making your dissertation a book in your years as an assistant professor. That is how you will be judged when you come up for tenure, and so that has to be your first priority. It's also important to present your work publicly, to go to um, conferences, to go to um, uh, uh, you know, um, uh, other colleges and universities, and make sure that you are out there and presenting your scholarship. It's important to develop a record of peer-reviewed publications uh, so that uh, those judging you for tenure will have um, a sense that others in your field have judged your work to be worth publishing. And you also can't publish too much of your book manuscript or no press will be interested in it. Uh, I think it's important to be cautious about editing projects. Um, you shouldn't take on um, too many of them. They often don't count as much as your own scholarship, and they take enormous amounts of time. And then you'll be expected when you come up for tenure um, to show the beginnings of a second project. The college or university judging you is going to make a lifetime bet on you, so they'll be interested not just in the value of that first project, but something that demonstrates to them that you will have a continuing, continuously productive career. In teaching, you uh, should develop a repertoire of classes that demonstrate success in a number of formats and levels. In other words, if you are teaching at a four-year college or university, you should teach not just first-year students, but also seniors. If you're teaching in a department that has both lecture courses and seminars, you should try your hand at lecture courses and seminars. If you're teaching at a university that has a graduate program, you should, if your um, university structures its teaching assignments this way, get some experience teaching graduate students. Um, students in almost every college and university fill out course critiques. It's important to pay attention to them, to read them, <laughs> and to learn from them. It, it's not fatal to have a course that doesn't go well. What is fatal is not to learn from the experience, and so learning from it is important. And it's important not to teach too many different courses, because if you teach four courses, every year, say, kind of a standard teaching assignment, you just won't have time for your research and you won't have time to learn from doing a course again. And also it's important as an assistant professor not to do too much extra individual teaching, um, uh, special studies projects, for example, because again, you need to protect your time. In the area of service, it's important not to overcommit yourself to service and, and use your colleagues for advice. Nobody is sitting there um, taking note of how many invitations you're getting to serve on this or that committee. And particularly if you're an underrepresented minority or if you're a woman, you may get lots and lots of invitations, too many, um, for your own good. And so using your colleagues for advice about which are important to uh, accept and which you can turn down is a good idea. 
it's important not to overcommit yourself to professional service again, because as an assistant professor, it's so important to protect your research time and to really polish your teaching repertoire. Uh, this should go without saying, but you should go to department meetings and get to know your colleagues and ask them for advice to find mentors. And then finally, I wanted to say a word about balance. Uh, it's very easy in the beginning years of a teaching career to get overly stressed. Um, it, it's particularly the case because those are, for many young faculty members, the years of raising young children. And uh, it can feel like, you know, there are not enough hours in the day and not enough energy in you to get it all done. And that's why it's so critical to, um, to use your time wisely and to find balance in your life and time for things that you want to do and you, and you love to do. When um, I had my two children, uh, which was shortly after I, I had tenure, in fact, immediately after I earned tenure, I felt like I was having a crisis in my life in relationship to time. I'd always been someone who had been very intent on, uh, on, on, on just finishing a task until it was complete and doing things as well as they could, and I found that I was no longer in control of my own time, and I couldn't work until um, uh, uh, something was finished because there would be a child that would need attention or that was crying or that woke up from a nap. And uh, those were important learning years for me. I l had to learn to be much more efficient about my um, time management and much more rigorous about saying no to things so that I was very uh, intent on, um, on what my priorities were and I wouldn't give time to things that didn't relate to the things I felt were most important. I thought, finally, I would talk a bit about changes in higher education that will have an impact on the careers of graduate students about to move into faculty positions and young faculty. Uh, the student body is growing more diverse every year, diverse in lots of ways, diverse in, their, in its racial and ethnic composition, diverse in levels of preparation, diverse in learning styles, and I think that's an extraordinary gift. I, I believe that diversity is not only important because of equity of opportunity, but also important for the richness of experience for all students on a campus. But diversity is more demanding um, of faculty members uh, that you really have to stretch yourself to understand the very different experiences of the students who will be coming to your classes, to not to accommodate different learning styles, to enable students to catch up in terms of um, different levels of preparation. Uh, so it's a more challenging experience for faculty members, but I think ultimately uh, a, a richer one for the institution. A second trend that will have an effect on, 
um, all faculty, is the growing importance of assessment in the, um, in the world of higher education. And advances in cognitive science in discoveries of how people learn. Derek Bach published a book, I think this is about two years ago now, called Our Underachieving Colleges, in which he takes um, faculty members to task for not learning as much as they might from these advances in cognitive science and how um, students learn and in not applying them to the classroom. I often have seen faculty have a kind of kickback response to uh, a con- um, requests for assessment. And I, I, I don't think that's healthy. I think assessment, finding out how well we're teaching our students what we think we're teaching them is a healthy thing when it's done well and that we should want to know that. We should want to know that our students are learning to become better writers. We, are want, we should want to know that our students are becoming better thinkers in the course of their four years um, in college. Another important trend is the stress on inter and cross-disciplinary connections. Um, problems in the real world don't come in neat disciplinary boxes. And at all colleges and universities, um, the, um, there's, a, there's an important emphasis on cross-disciplinary and interdisciplinary work. There's a growing emphasis on student research opportunities and group independent projects that, again, is demands a different way of teaching than certainly the way in which I taught at the beginning of my career. We all are aware of the um, trend toward globalization, but thinking about what that means in your individual teaching career is an important, um, important consideration, I think, for everyone. How do you, you know, how, how should English be different as a field in the light of the flattening and increasingly global world that we inhabit. You will teach students that have attended uh, a larger number of institutions in the course of getting their degree. Uh, This is probably not true at a place like Yale, but it certainly would be true at a place like Berkeley or many, even a place like Smith, that we will have students coming to Smith, transferring from other colleges, coming from a community college. And at the big state schools, students typically have gone to two or three different institutions in the course of their undergraduate careers. And then finally, we all have to accustom ourselves to dramatic and accelerating changes in technology and Um, realize that our students will be far, far ahead of us, uh, not only in their ease in using this technology, but their own almost mental landscapes in their sense of of, uh, the world that they, the technological worlds that they inhabit. So that's a bit of a kind of window on the on, you know, my best advice about careers that uh, faculty Um, that young faculty and graduate students might expect in this 21st century. Thank you very much. The Wilbur Cross Medal is the highest honor the graduate school bestows on its alumni. 
For more on the Wilbercross Medal, please visit aya.yale.edu. This was recorded on October 9, 2007.